the Roaring Twenties will not repeat. There's no war ravaged Europe for the US to exploit this time around. We've been told the 2020 pandemic has caused unprecedented, pent-up consumer demand. Naturally, we should assume this consumer demand will result in an economic explosion as people go back to their natural spending habits, post-vaccination. Many experts support this idea by pointing to how the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic created incredible consumer demand and how the economy exploded for a decade after that previous pandemic ended. More thoughtful investors must be listening to such advice and scratching their heads as they ask themselves, how is it that the world economy is stronger in 2021 than it was before the pandemic? Of course, the answer is, the economy isn't stronger. In fact, it is much, much weaker. We need only look at the Federal Reserve's insistence on unprecedented, and apparently unending monetary easing to realize the economy continues to remain extremely weak. In fact, we know even an explosion of post-pandemic spending cannot sustain a prolonged economic expansion because the Federal Reserve has already said as much. They predict a short spike in inflation, followed by a settling of inflation as spending patterns go back to normal. If a post-pandemic spending spree can't stimulate a decade-long economic boom, then what fueled the Roaring Twenties? The short answer is, the end of World War I. It turns out, the single most important reason the Roaring Twenties will not repeat is that there is no war ravaged Europe for the US to exploit in 2021. In this article. The Military-Industrial Complex. Stock Market Effects of the Spanish Flu and World War I. The Military-Industrial Complex, 1920 Style. Similarities and Differences to Today's Economic Situation. The Fifth Element. Zorg life, which you so nobly serve, comes from destruction, disorder and chaos. Now take this empty glass. Here it is, peaceful, serene, boring. But if it is destroyed, pushes the glass off the table. It shatter on the floor, and several small machines come out to clean it up. Zorg, look at all these little things. So busy now. Notice how each one is useful. A lovely ballet ensues, so full of form and color. Now, think about all those people that created them. Technicians, engineers, hundreds of people, who will be able to feed their children tonight, so those children can grow up big and strong and have little teeny children of their own, and so on and so forth. Thus, adding to the great chain of life. You see, Father, by causing a little destruction, I am in fact encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, The Fifth Element, 1997 You see, Father, by causing a little destruction, I am in fact encouraging life. In reality, you and I are in the same business. Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, Giphy.com the military-industrial complex. The military-industrial complex, an economic-political relationship where weapons manufacturers make political contributions to and then lobby policymakers, policymakers approve military spending budgets, and the military buys more weapons from the weapons manufacturers is a well-documented phenomenon. Some argue it's the military-industrial complex that, at least in part, 
is responsible for all of the wars the U.S. has engaged in over the last century. At least since the Gulf War, the U.S. military usually invades, destroys, and then pays for the reconstruction of the country it destroyed by granting costly no-bid Defense Department contracts to U.S. firms. Thus, adding to the great chain of life. However, things were a little different in 1918. In the aftermath of the First Great War, the U.S. was able to avoid paying for the costly rebuilding phase and instead was able to simultaneously invest in the rapid rebuilding of Germany and receive repayment, with interest, for costs incurred by U.S. allies during the war. More about that later in this article. The Spanish Flu and the First World War It's true both the Spanish Flu and the First World War had profound effects on the economy and stock market however, Many historians incorrectly credit either the Spanish flu or industrial output during the First World War for the massive economic expansion of the 1920s. In fact, the Roaring Twenties was not directly caused by either event. First, let's acknowledge it's a little difficult to determine with complete certainty how these two worldwide events affected the stock market, World War I and the Spanish flu overlap each other. In fact, it is World War I that greatly contributed to the spread of the Spanish flu from North America to Europe and then the rest of the world. Second virus wave surge, stock market reaction 6 Spanish flu facts every investor should carefully consider as the second wave of COVID-19 approaches medium.com. However, if we take a very close look at critical dates from both the war and the pandemic, we can get a little clearer picture of what events caused the markets to move. World War I starts in 1914. The stock market is halted for four and a half months. When trading resumes in late 1914, the Dow trades sharply lower but rallies strongly throughout 1915. The Dow troughs yet again in December of 1917 shortly after the United States declares war on Germany. Germany had previously promised President Woodrow Wilson that they would halt unrestricted submarine warfare. Not only did the Germans resume unrestricted submarine warfare in January of 1917, but they also invited Mexico to join Germany in a war against the United States. With a promise broken, an intercepted communication with Mexico in hand, and American ships being sunk by German submarines, the Americans entered the war in April 1917. At the end of World War I, there is a very short and sharp 66% plus post-war bounce in stock prices from just over 75 in early 1919 to nearly 125 in late 1919. The Spanish flu pandemic didn't start until February of 1918 but after four distinct waves, it finally ends in April of 1920. With only the post-war exception mentioned above, the Dow continued to trade between 75 and 100 from 1910 through World War I and the Spanish flu pandemic. As the last waves of the Spanish flu spread around the world, the Dow Jones Industrial Average actually sank from its post-war highs, all the way back below its pre-World War I lower trading range of 75 by 1921, a drop of nearly 40% from the peak. The stock market remains in a trading range very similar to pre-World War I for a few more years, before finally taking off in late 1924, a full four and six years after the end of both the Spanish flu and World War I. Clearly, neither World War I nor the Spanish flu was a significant triggering event for the Roaring Twenties. The Dawes Plan In fact, 
What ultimately triggered the Roaring Twenties economy in North America was the Dawes Plan, introduced in August of 1924. The Dawes Plan is credited to a banker from the United States called Charles G. Dawes. The plan was fairly straightforward. If the United States wanted to be repaid the money owed to them by their World War I allies, then Germany would need to pay the reparation payments as imposed by a reparation commission, created by the Allies in 1921. However, there was a problem. Reparation payments accounted for approximately one-third of Germany's deficit between 1920 and 1923. Much like many economies today, Germany's central bank was forced to print the money needed to make up for the deficit. Some historians blame the reparation payments while others believe Germany purposely damaged its own economy to inflate its debt away. Regardless of what the true cause was, the result was hyperinflation in Germany and the issuance of a new currency, the Rentenmark, introduced in November of 1923. To make way for the new currency, banks turned the marks over to junk dealers by the ton to be recycled as paper. Wikipedia the U.S. faced a real challenge in 1923, how to keep the Germans paying reparation payments to U.S. allies. During the war to end all wars U.S. allies had accrued a massive debt of more than $10 billion. Although there was some talk of cancelling the debt, the U.S. Congress strongly opposed the idea. U.S. allies like the U.K., on the other hand, made it clear debts would ultimately only be repaid to the U.S. with money recovered through reparation payments made by Germany. The solution to this dilemma was the Dawes Plan. The Dawes Plan called for an initial reduction of reparation payments by Germany that would slowly increase as the economic output of Germany increased over time. To increase Germany's economic output, massive U.S. investments were made in Germany. $200 million was issued by U.S. financier J.P. Morgan in U.S. markets in an attempt to help encourage economic stabilization in Germany. U.S. investors instantly recognized the incredible investing opportunity and the issue was quickly oversubscribed. Over the following years, the U.S. loaned money to Germany so Germany could continue to rebuild its destroyed industrial capacity and continue making reparation payments to other European nations affected by the war. Of course, the U.S. government received returns on all of its wartime investments to allies, and U.S. investors received returns on all of the post-wartime investments to Germany. Germany was rebuilt, debts were repaid, and Dawes was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1925 for juicing the financial boom we now know as the Roaring Twenties. I've seen that drugstore cowboy around. I've seen that drugstore cowboy around. 1920s slang for a well-dressed man who loiters in public areas trying to pick up women. Whether we like it or not, it looks like we have fallen into a drugstore cowboy economy. Investors are just hanging around searching for the next hot stock to jump on. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time we've seen this kind of investor behavior and we know from history, drugstore cowboy investor behavior has consequences. Stock price-to-earnings ratios were high at the end of the 1920s, not at the beginning. In 2021, we have yet to experience the nearly 40% post-war-slash-post-pandemic correction experienced in 1919-1921. Today, sky-high valuations persist and yet some economists continue to predict a decade-long boom in stock prices. In fact, according to the Buffett Indicator, 
The stock market is currently severely overvalued with total market capitalization at over 200% of GDP. This indicator has only been this high a handful of times since it was created. Can stock prices go higher from here as some stock market cheerleaders suggest? Sure, but can they explode for 5 plus years as they did in the 1920s without a war ravaged Europe to exploit? History suggests the answer is no. People are starting to go back to work but what kind of jobs are they going back to? How much are people getting paid? Are we to assume people returning to the workforce, will be paid as much or more than they did pre-pandemic with zombie companies struggling to repay massive debts incurred during the shutdowns? History suggests the answer is salaries will likely fall as jobs are automated by even more robots and AI. Worse yet, as good-paying career jobs are disappearing, even gig jobs like Uber and packing jobs at Amazon appear to be under threat in the near future from autonomous taxis and ever more robotics. Amazon introduced the hands-off-the-wheel program, an automation initiative aimed at increasing productivity. Amazon claims the program is not to eliminate jobs but rather to hire even more people so they can be assigned to build new projects. Could be, but history suggests more automation eliminates good-paying jobs and fewer good-paying jobs mean less consumer spending. Without a war-torn Europe to create demand for North American goods, it's hard to imagine a new roaring 20s. My word, I'm positively spiflicated. To get very drunk? My word, I'm positively spiflicated. What's triggering the current stock market expansion? Many investors appear to not care. The truth is, ultra-low interest rates are causing massive stock market and real estate speculation. Investors are positively spiflicated on monetary expansion, junk bond backstopping, and ultra-low interest rates. Speculation is currently at levels we haven't seen since 2008 and 1999. Perhaps only 1990 Japan and 1929 US speculation were more severe. This does not bode well for the current state of the stock market. Unprecedented money printing rewarded post-war Germany with hyperinflation. Hyperinflation may not come to North America in 2021 to 2022 but even moderate inflation could easily smash the punch bowl. With interest rates so low that fixed income investments are no longer attractive, investors of all kinds are being forced to search for yield. In 2021, even pension funds are now resorting to purchasing individual houses and even entire newly built housing divisions in their search for higher yield. Pension funds are pricing out new home buyers by offering all cash deals and bidding well over the asking price. House prices in Canada, for one example, are in a bubble across the country. At one time, not that long ago, housing bubbles were mainly limited to Toronto and Vancouver. Not anymore. With ultra-low interest rates and a work-from-home movement in full swing, and pension funds looking to become your future landlord, prices have exploded across the country. The largest year-over-year percentage changes came from the Northwest Territories, 48.1%, Nova Scotia, 30.4%, Ontario, 24.5%, Quebec, 22.5%, and New Brunswick, 20.9%. CTV News. History clearly tells us all housing and stock market bubbles end. This time will be no exception. And unfortunately, with no war ravaged Europe for the US to exploit this time around, 
the roaring twenties of 100 years ago, simply cannot be repeated. All stock market bubbles and three events that have preceded the end of every stock market bubble medium.com.